Welcome to the Post-Christian Podcast. Our goal is to reframe, simplify, and focus on our mission to make disciples in a post-Christian culture. We discuss reaching new people and raising up leaders while removing the barriers of churchianity. I'm Eric Bryant, one of the executive pastors at Gateway Church in Austin, author of Not Like Me, and resource provider at ericbryant.org. In this episode, I interview Naeem Fazal, pastor of Mosaic in Charlotte. This interview was part of the Church Growth Summit, which featured American church leaders sharing how they serve in their context. Well, I'm excited to be here with Naeem Fazal. Naeem, how are you doing? Great, man. Great. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm just grateful for the chance to spend some time together and really uh, excited for all that's happening there in in Mosaic and Charlotte. And tell us a little bit about your journey in church planting and even your mission field there in Charlotte. Yeah. So uh, we've been um, going for 11 years now. So yeah, quite some time. Um, And uh, we actually uh, launched uh, from Charlotte. I mean, we were in... um, we were in Charleston, South Carolina, and then uh, a church over there called Seacoast Church. I was a pastor there, and they helped us launch uh, with actually a church planning organization called The Ark. It's, uh, I think, Association of Related Churches. And so, yeah, we, uh, they helped us plant about 11 years ago. We are in um, the city of Charlotte, uh, kind of a place where, uh, you know, the city ends and the suburbs start. And so, yeah, a church called Mosaic. We really moved, actually, because we wanted our main focus to be um, really about creating a community where uh, we would celebrate diversity. It would be a community of faith that represented the city and also represented which uh, kind of a personal mission that we had to really bring a diverse group of people together and have church where it would be a representation of, you know, what, what church uh, would look like in uh, heaven, you know, I think so. Well, and I love the book you wrote uh, about your personal experience about coming to faith, ex-Muslim. Uh, you, you can get more information at exmuslimbook.com. Uh, tell me about some of the other people that you are seeing reached. Are you seeing people that have kind of walked away from Christianity and come back? Do you see other others with your background? I'm sure Charlotte is a big growing city. Yeah. The diversity, I'm sure, is there. But what about spiritually? How, how are you reaching the folks that are there? Yeah, you know, so um, um, my background, uh, obviously, is Muslim. So I grew up in a conservative uh, Muslim home. Parents are Muslim and uh, had a radical experience, came to faith. So I was in Kuwait. I grew, I'm actually Pakistani, kind of, story, you know, that's the, how it gets complicated. But I'm actually Pakistani. But my mom and dad, dad migrated to Kuwait, and that's where we were uh, uh, born, I was born. And, uh, so then after the Gulf war, we came to the States and I had a radical experience with Christ. And what I mean by that, it was like kind of a vision of Jesus kind of changed everything, kind of like the road to Damascus experience. And, um, so, um, my background, even though I was, uh, Muslim, I was in Kuwait and Kuwait's really a melting pot. Um, a lot of people might not know this, but about 60% of the population in Kuwait uh, are immigrants, foreign nationals. And so I grew up with Muslims, Hindus, Sikhs, uh, Buddhists, um, uh, you know, a lot of a- Asians there, a lot of Filipinos there. And so it was a very much a melting pot. And so this idea of really creating a diverse community or having different influences in my life where 
people just believe different things, um, was normal, which I think really helped uh, us and me to um, uh, to really uh, create a community and create a space uh, there that people could really belong before they believed. So it was a place where people feel more comfortable. And, and we try to make sure that uh, a, a lot of the things we do at Mosaic reflects uh, the fact that we live in a very uh, we live in a world, not just a city or a suburb. And so we have an international kind of flavor in a sense where we are trying to have a global conversation instead of a local conversation. Uh, so um, we are seeing uh, people from different backgrounds, not just Muslim. Um, in fact, actually, Muslims have the hardest time to come to Mosaic because they look at me and they go, you know, this guy is either a traitor or this guy switched sides. And I don't know if I want to hear him, you know, they'll probably hear me like online or something, but visiting, it takes a lot for them to come. I mean, I did have a conversation with this Kurdish guy uh, last week and he came up and he was just extremely interested and we're going to have some coffee and he definitely has a Muslim background. And, and so um, it's going to be interesting uh, to see that, but it has been really great to, to, uh, to really experience different cultures coming together. So we've seen, you know, Buddhists and Hindus um, and even Baptists, you know, come to faith. So uh, it's, been, uh, it's been great, man. It's been great. That's fantastic. Well, as you've been uh, for these 11 years planting the church and reaching out into Charlotte, what are some of the ways you've seen uh, effectively connecting people and like you said helping them belong before they believe what what are, what are you doing what is your staff doing what are your uh, the folks in your church doing to, to yeah. reach them out? yeah I think I think the, the 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 biggest thing that we've seen is really uh, cultivating uh, a heart and a spirit uh, for the other for the guests um, I think more than just our programming you know sometimes uh, um, I tend to fall into, uh, because I'm a church guy and we do services, we fall into like, hey, let's, let's make this, um, to use a term in the 90s, from the 90s, uh, seeker sensitive, you know, or let's make this uh, seeker aware, or let's make this this, or let's do popular contemporary songs. You know, we've kind of abandoned that really uh, uh, because I think, believe that people really understand or feel your heart before they experience anything else. And that's really genuine. And because I've been in environments where it seems maybe I contrived or uh, seems fake that you're trying to connect with me, you're trying to sell me something that you're not really like that, but you're doing or creating a church service for me that because you want to not entertain me, but just kind of impress me. And, and so we've kind of really abandoned that to like really Man, like if we focus on loving each other well, then uh, Jesus said that they'll know that you're my disciples. I mean, it will actually attract people to your community. And so I can't really pinpoint like, oh man, we did this outreach and we did this concert and we did. None of that is really happening. Um, what is happening is that uh, to quote someone who doesn't go to Mosaic, who is, uh, um, but sends all her seeker or people who are not really uh committed to any kind of spirituality i mean she sends them to mosaic i mean she's like told me like last week she's like oh yeah i i, I don't tell them to come to my church because my church is you don't want to come to my church you know and i'm like did you see what you're saying right there like 
because my church is not set up for that. Basically, she was saying, but your church, and she said this, she said, you can walk right in and before anything, people feel like there's a, the people can feel God. And I thought, wow. And I don't know how to teach that in a conference, but <laughs> you know, um, one of the things uh, that I would say in a practical sense that our spaces and our environments are not, they don't seem religious. And uh, what I mean by that is like, if you walk into our lobby, which you know, you've been to, and it looks like a gallery, you know, it looks like a, a building that other people would walk into on any given day, maybe downtown. Uh, it, it seems inviting. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a science behind it and art behind creating spaces that invite versus, um, 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 you know, just distract people or, um, or convey that you're, you're not welcome, you know, uh, even people, how they, um, decorate their houses. I mean, there's so much to it, but we've really spent some time on like figuring out, okay, when it comes to our Sunday morning spaces or our small groups or our, or any event we do, uh, um, let's assume, let's just assume no one's a Christian. Let's just, let's just, let's, let's not be the assumption, you know? And then what would you do? Well, you know, and um, one of the phrases that we've used in our staff a whole lot, I believe I got it from, I want to say I got it from uh, uh, Brene Brown, but I think she quoted someone else maybe. And I don't know, but the phrase we use is uh, honoring the human presence. And um, we talk a lot about that. Like, uh, uh, we go, okay, um, what does it mean to honor the human presence? Like there is a, there's a human here. Like you're, the, you, 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 and, you know, if, if people walk into an environment, you get to do a face-to-face with this person. I mean, um, I think that uh, there are studies, you know, that talked about um, the, um, the me and you relationship versus me and it relationship where humans can um can make other humans feel like they're just not human they just provide a service for me right i'm saying like your barista you know uh you're you just get my order right you know the the drive-through person just get my order right you know um you you provide a service and so you have this me and it, like it provides a service and you lose the human yeah. you know, element. And I think in churches, we can do the same thing. We can really lose the human presence and go, okay, uh, they're, they're butts in seats, you know? And we've said that. We've actually say this stuff, you know? That we count them. Um, everybody's a number. How many people wrapped? How many people were in this crowd? How many people, you know? So they are, they are, they're, they can sometimes just lose um, the human value to us, I think, because we're just trying to control cattle, you know, you know, we, we say, you, you know, we say all these things. And so what does it mean to like, Hey, this is a human, this is God's person created by God, you know, yeah. what does that mean. And so, um, so that's been helpful for us. Absolutely. What it sounds like, too, I mean, in many ways, you're removing barriers between one another 
and between those who come and God. And so to me, when you walk into that space and you do feel welcome, you do feel comfortable. uh, And like you said, you know, as people come into the experience and if you're, they're not surprised you're talking about God, (laughs) you know, that right, right. Yeah. If they're coming into the, your building, they're they're not surprised you're singing songs to Jesus. Right. right. But as you're doing so in a way that that is, you know, it makes sense. And and I love that kind of more relational touch. It's the essence of love God, love people. I mean, really, right. that's what we're supposed yeah. to be doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the phrases that uh, is unique to us is this phrase called hope for all. And uh and uh, we made it kind of a, a campaign which was tied to uh, uh, some expansion that we need to do in our church and building and all that. But it was also the essence of kind of like the, our heart behind what we do is we really believe that there's hope for all. And uh, I think sometimes the messages, the message can come across like there's hope for some, hmm. you know, or, or there's hope for us, not necessarily you. Because you don't have hope, but, but, you know, we have it, you know. And when people hear that and they've seen it, you know, we, we have it on, uh, uh, not, not that we just have it on walls, but we live that. I mean, right. we, people walk in, they go, they really believe this, that there's hope for all. It doesn't matter my background, my lifestyle, um, you know, what I believe, what I don't believe. Um, there's a God who says, hey, there's hope for you. Like, there's I hope is for you, you know, and uh, I think that's been r- really, really uh, helpful. And de- definitely removing uh, barriers is um, is so important. But I think the way we do this, I would say, is not necessarily like, hey, we're. I mean, obviously, we got to pay attention to language because you know sometimes you know we can sure. say things and that people don't understand and don't they don't have context. And um, you can you definitely language is important. What we do, what we don't do, it's important. Um, but you know, so coming from a different background, and actually being a guy who was a Muslim attending a church as a Muslim, you know, um, dumbing down, not dumbing down, or taking um, taking the passion or the out of worship or out of, uh, your, of, of a gathering for the sake of the non-believer or for sake of me as a Muslim, it didn't really help me. And so what I'm saying is, is like I, Muslims are not attracted to a seeker sensitive church. They want to go in and they want to see what does it look like to, they're inspired by people who are passionately convinced hmm. um, about either a God, a belief, Jesus. They want to see that. And so I think humans are. They want to know. I mean, my uh, Hindu friend, you know, who I reconnected with uh, last year, um, I've known him for 20 years, you know. He came to church with me, came to like a a core meeting, you know, like, I mean, very much a, a, like a family meeting, business meeting of a church, you know. And, but he was like, man, this is church in India, I'd go to it. Wow. And, uh, and we honored him. I honored him and people were clapping for him and, you know, and he moved from being Hindu to Sikh, you know, <laughs> and, and we, we celebrated that. Hmm. I mean, it was amazing because he was like, 
I'm not a Christian. Why are you celebrating? But we celebrate the fact that he's moving in his journey, you know? That's great. And uh, just because we honor him doesn't mean that, you know, that our faith is weakened by it. Um, so I think, I think what's key is people should understand, I think, like in leaders and pastors to understand is when you reach people who are different from you, it doesn't mean that you need to hide your passion and your conviction uh, about what you believe. Yeah. Just, you, you just have to be careful on what your, what your convictions are about. Like, that's good. Now, don't be, don't be convicted of, don't be so committed to a certain lifestyle committed to the message of Jesus, you know, like the pure, like, Hey, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, you know, right. not to condemn it, but to save it. And, um, I mean, be convinced of that. People are drawn to that, man. So. Absolutely. Well, and I think what you've done and what you're recommending obviously is move out of the center things that don't belong in the center, you know, like right. we're Jesus centered and, and some of these other, uh, maybe their values that don't rise to the level of conviction or certainly not a litmus test of, for community. Yeah. What I love even about your story about your friend kind of on his, his journey, what you're doing is you're valuing the um, process of discipleship kind of, like what we said at Mosaic in Los Angeles, pre-evangelism discipleship, you know, there, yeah. there's progress even before you say yes to cross that line of faith. What are other elements that either help people cross that line of faith or grow in their walk to where they're inviting to have that passion? What are you seeing that's helping your people grow? Yeah. You know, we had a real, so we have a leadership team and, and uh, we call them navigators. And, and so about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we had a, a pretty intense conversation about altar calls, you know, and we have a diverse group. And so, um, you know, one guy was like, we have to do an altar call every Sunday. I mean, people are there. They're going to make a decision. We leave them hanging. We don't close the deal. And I get, I, I get that. And, uh, and they said, we have to do that. And, and we need to do that. And people need to, you know, you got to pray with people to receive Jesus. And um, I believe that. I believe in uh, moments like that and us being responsible for helping people find faith. And, but, I mean, I, I, was, I just said this. I just said, hey, listen, I get it. And um, I believe in that. Let me, let me just tell you where I'm coming from. I didn't meet Jesus um, in church. I met him in my room. <laughs> right. I didn't pray a prayer like a little kid repeating after another person. Like I met him and there was a conversation and it was real. And it was like, I didn't go down the Romans road. I didn't say a little this diddly. Right. I didn't, you know, sign a card, put it in this and that. I didn't do that. I'm not saying those are not important. I'm saying I just didn't do that. Right. So my default is I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And if you're serious, you should go meet him. Yeah. Like this, this, this act, like I'm not proposing this as, you know, this is the thing we need to do. And, but I, I think, I think that as future leaders and pastors, you know, we should stop treating people as kids. They don't need to be handheld 
You don't need to recite this prayer after me. Because I, w- I do that to my nine-year-old, my, maybe my five-year-old. I don't do it to a 50-year-old. Like I, but because we think sometimes they have to get the wording right for it to work, it's like this, hey, if they don't get the wording right, uh, you're not going to get it. You're going to jinx the whole thing. Right. I mean, it's like, it's the weirdest thing. And um, I think, uh, again, I'm not proposing we don't do altar calls and all that. And I, so what I do in, my, in our services is I have a conversation about what we're doing. And, and then I always lead it to, hey, hey, maybe your one decision or what, maybe what your God is saying to you this morning for some of you is he's been talking to you and you, you need to come to a full on, you need to seek him out right now. So you, I just want to pray for you because maybe today you need to make that decision. So I just kind of pray for them. And then right after that, we do a song and then someone comes up and says, hey, if there's a commitment, if there's a question, here's a card, come meet us. So there's a follow through on, on that. Well, what I um, like about that is, it, it, you know, your service on Sunday is certainly a point of contact. But what you're really describing is an acknowledgement that God is pursuing people and he is moving in their life. You say this, yeah. <laughs> it could be a Sunday morning, but it could yeah. be in the room, a vision of Jesus like you had, a supernatural experience, but, but uh, not assume uh, that God is not at work, that it's all yeah. up to us, but we're joining him in the pursuit of, of the people he's created, right? Yeah. yeah, and see, here's the thing. I mean, if you've ever watched a Tony Robin, Robinson uh, show or his, uh, his environments or talks or weekends, um, the amount of science and art and um that is available to to manipulate human emotion um is staggering like meaning there is a way to rally and hype up and get people to feel something and commit right emotionally right and i just feel like when you meet Jesus, it has to be a very spiritual, divine moment. Hmm. Um, yeah. I'm not saying emotions are not attached to it, but they can't lead the way. Because if they lead the way, it's like the way uh, I was a young adult pastor uh, for several years, and, and I heard someone say, hey, listen, single ladies or guys, hey, whatever you get them with, you keep them with. Oh, goodness. So it's like this. If you get them with your makeup and the way you look and da 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 you're going to keep them with that. Right. Because if you stop doing that, they're out. And I think it's true. It's, 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 there's some truth to it. Like if people are sold an emotion and they bought into Jesus because of an emotion and that emotion goes away, you know, then the relationship with Jesus goes away. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that, right? We've seen people go, yes, yes. I mean, youth camp, man. I mean, I was a youth pastor too. So right. it's getting saved every week, the same kid, you know? <laughs> right. uh, I'm like, dude, you're good, you know? But um, I, think, I think there is something to be really um, um, thought through a little bit. I was having a conversation with one of our pastors and uh, it led to a conversation about 
asking, getting people to ask questions, the right questions versus giving them the right answers. Um, and, uh, and it really, this is, this is connected to the way we disciple. So, you know, I met with a guy a couple of days ago and, and we reach people who are like, you know, you know, no religious background, you know, or really a terrible religious background. I mean, they're, they're living and whatever. I mean, so this idea of like, Hey, don't live together. Don't sleep together before marriage. No, don't this, don't that. They have no idea, no concept of it. And, uh, and so he began telling me, you know, like, you know, he was, we we're just starting the relationship conversation. He was like, you know, he said, I have got, I got a lot of questions, you know, like, you know, and like, um, not that he was saying, tell me what to do and I'll do it. But he wanted to know, like, so morally, what is, hmm. what is right? Should, can I do this? I mean, I've been living with my girlfriend for six years, you know, and, and, or four years and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, and um, I had a moment, Eric, I had a moment where I was like, I'm going to do the whole Jesus thing with him. Hmm. I am not going to tell him what to do. Right, right. I'm not. Like, I'm going to get him to hunger and thirst for answers and develop a relationship with Jesus. Great. The Holy Spirit. Because if I'm the answer guy, then right. he just knows, okay, so I'm not supposed to do this, and I'm supposed to give 10%, and I'm not, but the ta-ta, and yada, yada, yada. And so he'll get a mental list of five to 10 things that he has to do. And that will determine his relationship. Right. Right. And then it's workspace. Then it's not really the gospel. <laughs> it's not. We just lost it. I just lost it. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, so I said, hey, let's talk about that. And, uh, but let's, let's talk about, you know, your relationship with the guy who wants to have a relationship with you. And if I can get, if we can get people to hear and help them hear God for themselves, and we don't have to be the answer people. Yeah, that's good. So um, it's tricky. It's tough. But, um, and sometimes people just need it. Hey, this is what the scriptures say, you know? Right. Yeah, of course. Um, Knowing when to do that. And for someone right. who's not a believer to ask them to live by, you know, a, a standard that is for believers undermines the whole process. Yeah. It really, it, and it's well, like you said, I mean, I don't think we realize how much it undermines it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you see someone growing in their faith, they're learning to hear God's voice and they want to be a leader at Mosaic Charlotte, what is required to become a leader in your community? Well, it depends how badly we need leaders. <laughs> <laughs> that's the honest answer. That, that's the real answer. Yeah. Um, um, but, you know, because of the different uh, um, positions in, of leadership, uh, you know, where you're in charge of preschool curriculum or you're the leader of the parking team, you know, um, you know, one is heavy content. You got to get your stuff together, all that. One is you don't really have to do that. You could be still figuring out what you believe, what you don't, and just be great at people skills and parking cars, you know? So we allow that, like, hey, he's a leader, he's a, she's a leader, or he's a leader, he's a leader, but 
it's not the same. It's just not the same, you know, just like, uh, the guy, you know, my, the, the standard for me is different than the standard for some of those staff, honestly. Sure. Uh, it just is, it's just different responsibility, you know? Um, but what we've done, um, what we did uh, two years ago is we hand picked uh, or invite only um, people. And we said, we want a journey with you or we would like you or uh, to be a part of a leadership um, learning group for a year, wow. once a month. Right. And uh, would you consider doing that? And so for the last two years, we've, we've taken like 50, 60 people and we take them for the whole year once a month and would develop leadership in them. And so it's, it starts off with basic theology to, and then it has all the other things like gifts, assessment, um, leadership, values, what does it mean, um, theology, the whole thing. And, but it's every month to get dipped, to get dipped, to get dipped. Um, and then out of that, part of it also is graduation of, okay, okay, so now what are you going to lead? What are you going to do? You know, not that we want all of them to uh, lead in every way, because some people, they go through that and we think they might have potential, but season of life and things happen and they can't really do it. We just believe that if we invest in, in leaders, raising leaders, then it's a win for us if they don't necessarily lead in our context, but lead in their office or they lead in yeah. their business. That's great. So, so we, we, that's, that is our intense leadership. Um, and uh, we do have like your basic where, where we have this, um, um, we have right after each service, we call it the 10 minute party. We got it from Mosaic LA back in the day. Yeah. I don't even think anybody does that anymore. We do. <laughs> and, uh, but that is your basic, um, after every service, a touch point for anybody, you know, and sometimes it's, it's mostly it's new people or people who heard me or heard someone and they like it and they, they have questions of their faith. I mean, we have a lot of people who you can, you can kind of listen to them and go, they're you know, not sure what they believe, but they, they just have a touch point. Hey, hello. We give them a shirt that says hope for all. And, um, and then from there, they get invited to this thing called the after party because we just want to go with that. And the after party is basically a dinner um, at uh, Sunday night, uh, you know, um, and uh, we talk about, we tell, we tell stories, we ask them, tell them their, our, their faith story, we tell our story, kind of go through what we are all about in Mosaic and... Uh, then evaluate them like what what is the, your next step you know some people go well this church is not for me all right cool some go okay i want to start volunteering or something i want to get plugged in or i want to go to a small group and then we have this thing called next which right after that is is really about like okay they're ready to be in one sense like assimilated where th they need basic um theology conversation or they need okay, they're ready to go. They're seasoned. They're good. They, you know, they they come from a church, sister church. They're, they're ready to be, uh, to serve. And so we kind of take them through kind of a volunteer track there. Yeah. Uh, that's but, great. But out of that, the, 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 the leadership track is an invite only. 
I see. That is not a, we don't publicize that. Right. No, just, you know, yeah, so. I do like what you're describing because it sounds very much that it requires a one-on-one, get to know the person, figure yeah. out what they need, what their next step is. Again, very process-oriented, kind of taking people where they are and calling them out to where God mm. wants them to be. That's fantastic. Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, keep up the great work there. Thanks, man. It's great to see you, Naeem, and yes. tell hello for me. I will. I will, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for this opportunity, bro. Thanks for joining us on the Post-Christian Podcast. More resources available at ericbryant.org.